salutations and Ave. I'm your host, Jay, and welcome to Babylon Rising, a show about witchcraft, sexuality, and creativity. Isn't there more to everything than following a bunch of old rules? Isn't there more to everything than following a bunch of old rules? Old rules? This All Hallows Eve, I figured we would take the time to talk about something I get the feeling interests a lot of people in a way that I feel like will be very helpful, and that topic we'll be discussing will be demonic evocation. Now, demons, generally speaking, and grimoire work, generally speaking, are both subjects that I've touched on uh, a number of times before on this show, as it is a topic I feel is definitely worth returning to, looking at it from lots of different perspectives, a personal, a political perspective, um really thinking deeply about a sort of demonic philosophy, sort of. Now, this time, considering the uh, the energy of the spirits, of the planets, of this holiday, of Halloween, I figured we would talk in a very explicit manner about how to evoke demons. Now, I wish I did not have to say this, but I will, just in case, say that I am by no means the ultimate authority on the subject of evocation, invocation, demons, magic, etc. I happen to be somebody with some strong opinions, who likes to share those opinions in the form of a podcast. So do take what I say with a grain of salt. What I'm going to share is based in a lot of different things, partly in my past experiences with spirituality, uh, paganism, and witchcraft, and partly in the grimoire works that I've read um, over the past couple years based in demonic and planetary magic, particularly like um, the Lamegaton, the Lesser Key of Solomon, and also the Greater Key of Solomon, and other grimoires that really are not jumping to the forefront of my mind. So sorry about that. Um, Other inspirations for the information I'm going to share with you is other things practitioners say on the internet. I do take what other people say into consideration, at least partly. Um... What I am planning to share in this episode is mostly going to be a distilled version of what is generally expected of somebody performing some kind of demonic evocation, all right? So it is, what I'm going to describe is based in what is, I think, from my research and understanding, the most essential to the least essential um, in terms of if you are in a pinch, if you are um, new, 
if you do not have a lot of resources, you know, whatever the case may be, I want this to be sort of an entry point, something approachable. So that's important. Another reason why I've decided to talk about this subject matter in this manner is because um, if you look at something broken down to its most essential components in terms of magical formulas, it can help you to understand um, more broadly what elements of a system are essential and what elements are not in case you were interested in a more chaos magician approach and tweaking certain practices to fit for you more or less then it is really important to understand what is foundational what is important what doesn't work when it gets removed you know there are structures that we build magical otherwise uh relationships uh systems in in our worlds in our governments there are things that we build that can be made more or less efficient when certain parts or aspects are removed or added but if you accidentally remove something that is fundamental the whole structure falls apart so that's why this episode and this conversation is structured in the way that it is to be uh it's structured this way so that i can hopefully make something that is going to be the most helpful to you because i mean you wouldn't want to waste this full moon on october 31st um and not summon a few demons so please do take that into consideration All right, that's enough false starts for me. We can actually talk about how to summon some demons right about now. So uh, one of the most important things I think that I've learned at least is some kind of sacred space, the circle, the pyramid, the temple, the body. Um, You need some kind of sacred space, preferably somewhere will where you will not be disturbed. That seems to be important in general. Most people feel this way. I mean, whether for spiritual reasons or mundane reasons, it is not very nice to be interrupted doing these types of things for so many reasons. So some kind of sacred space, um, using a ritual circle as explained in books like the Ars Goetia might be an option for you if you're planning to take the time to uh, draw something like that out in, um, as according to the instructions in those types of books. There are many other magical circles um, that you find throughout modern and past forms of occultism. Now, something important is, uh, well, we'll get to that, but Something else really important about sacred space is um, you can get creative about it if you don't have something that is a more permanent sacred space in your life. You can make a temporary sacred space in so many different ways, um, energetically on um, the sort of astral plane. You can create a astral temple. Um, there are so many different ways to create 
sacred space and it's important to be able to get creative about that because you never know what you'll have on you when you need to summon a few demons, you know? Uh, so I mentioned uh, ritual circles as explained in grimoires like that. You can get just some long rope and tie it together and make a circle on the ground. You can draw in chalk, well, wherever it is appropriate to draw in chalk, if that is an option for you. A circle, you can draw just a plain circle. You can draw more um, elaborate ritual circles. Um, you can cast a sort of more um, modern, eclectic, Wicca-inspired circle. The point is the sacred space. And I think it's important to include your body in that, keeping your physical sacred space, that is your physical body, um, as prepared for such an endeavor as possible, being as clean as possible, being potentially well-fed and well-hydrated, depending on, you know, your approach. If your evocation involves something like fasting um, or whatever, that's something to consider. But the point is to keep your body in the right shape a good shape for these types of matters. Um, in the Greater Key of Solomon, there is a whole long bat bathing purification ritual that you do that involves reading so many psalms, so many of them, and bathing with specific herbs and whatever else. If you don't have space, you can do it on the astral plane. If you do have space and you don't have something else, there are always substitutions. The point is, um, a lot of the point is at least doing the best you can and having the best intentions you can. Um, that's very important in terms of creating a sacred space. If, again, you don't already have a per more permanent sacred space, you know? So I would say that is like my number one in terms of demonic evocation. Huh. <sighs> Okay, I think next might things might getting off the rails pretty quickly here, but my next thing is for me always going to be some kind of knife or ritual dagger. Most of us have knives on hand because most of us um, have eating utensils that we use to prepare and eat our meals. A lot of us, not all of us, most of us, that's something we have some kind of access to. Um, I have a little stupid broken pocket knife that's like 10 years old that has like weird, stupid circumstances that I have on hand. It's something that I have access to. Um, and it is something that I use for the purpose of demonic evocation on occasion. Now, the point of me bringing that up is that it doesn't have to be um, the fanciest knife available to you. It doesn't have to be a fancy, blessed ritual dagger. And really, this point doesn't even have to be a ritual dagger because the point of such an item is for the purpose of um, directing your intent and your essence towards your magical goals. Um, so you can use a knife if you're using something that is like not a super fancy knife, that is a knife that other times is used for things like 
I said, preparing meals and also eating those meals, then I would suggest um, blessing that knife so that in this space, the knife is sacred. In the sacred space, the knife is a sacred knife. Outside of sacred space, the knife is for cutting cabbages and uh, spreading butter or whatever. So my point, I got a little off track here, but the point is um, some kind of magical tool or weapon for directing your essence and intention in the ritual is important. That can be a wand if you're into that sort of thing. I found that I really wasn't. And like many years ago, I went through all this trouble to make this beautiful knife, or sorry, not knife, beautiful wand. Um, it was made very real ritualistically and I was like speaking to the trees and asking them about this wand I needed to make and I made this wand and really at the end of the day I did not prefer magic wands. I just, it doesn't help me um, do what I needed it to do. So I used my hands a lot. Your hands are a great tool for directing your essence and intention because that's what they do all the time in the mundane world anyways if you happen to have hands you know you never know um so directing the flow of your essence and intention is an important aspect of demonic evocation whether you're using a knife a ring your hands a wand did i already say wand Ugh. Or um, you're just using your mind, you're doing things on the level of the psychic realm. That is also an option, like I keep mentioning. So part of the reason why you would want something like this in terms of demonic evocation, I think the, the purpose and importance of a sacred space is pretty self-evident. You would like to have somewhere where not only you can have the right frame of mind to welcome a demon into a welcoming space, but also um, you yourself need to be in, you need to welcome yourself into this space where you can be powerful on a spiritual level um, because that helps to attract the demon to you. The demon wants somewhere nice. You also want somewhere nice. You create this sacred spiritual space you both have somewhere nice. Now, the, in terms of directing intentions and essences, this is important when you take into account a lot of the other aspects of demonic evocation that I'm going to be talking about. But if you're going to be doing something like tracing out your circle, if you're doing a circle or whatever the shape of your sacred space is, um, it's very important a lot of times in magic for there to be a relationship between the mundane world and the spiritual world. Part of the reason, this is an example of that, but part of the reason that I prefer a ritual knife is because there is a strong and clear relationship between the spiritual purposes of a knife and the literal and mundane purposes of a knife. Knives are powerful already they are already powerful they are used to like i said prepare and consume food to construct pieces of art if you are into carving things or um collage or artwork knives are 
useful in the purposes of death and destruction and art and creation. They are already powerful in our everyday lives. And so for me, it's much easier to take that to a spiritual level. Um, I think that's partially why the, um, the witchcraft imagery of the cauldron and the broom and everything is so powerful in our imaginations and in the imaginations of the people who those tropes began for. Um, because, you know, women of that time, so-called women of that time, would use those items in their everyday life. Those items were already powerful. Your cauldron is very important to your hearth and home at that time, you know, etc. So if you're doing something like tracing out the path of your sacred space, if you're doing something like tracing out the spirit's sigil, whether that's a sigil that you channeled for them or one that you've gotten from a reference book or another practitioner, so on and so forth, it's a good idea to have um, an idea of what will be serving the purpose of directing your focus in a ritual. Um, so keep that in mind. I would say the next step is going to be just that, a sigil or symbol of that spirit of some kind, whether it is just their symbol scribbled on a piece of paper, um, or you have one of those beautiful um, metal sigils that people make and sell online, um, or you've made something like that yourself, however you did that, um, making things yourself, I always prefer that over anything else. I will say I'm a little biased as someone who loves arts and crafts, but yeah, and it's important to have the sigil of that spirit um, or some kind of symbol of that spirit on hand. Um, it serves oftentimes as a part of a strong focal point. Um, it's like um, writing someone's name in your, in your contacts list in your phone, kind of, but not really. It's like how can you be sure you're even texting the right person or if the right person is texting you back or how, you know, what if you texted the complete wrong person? You know, it's like walking down the street and speaking to someone thinking it's your friend and being like, oh, is your name such and such? And they're like, no, that's completely not my name. I don't know you, you stranger. You know, it's important to know somebody's name. It's important to know who you're talking to and who you would like to be speaking to. Um, and in the case of demonic invocation, you want to try to get it as right as possible. You do have circumstances where spirits will sort of, the intention will be strong enough that they will be able to, you know, come to you in a way that is, for the most part, preferable to you. Um, even if you got sigil wrong, try not to. Please try not to. You don't want to summon the wrong demon. That just sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. But, you know, you do get circumstances where, you know, you get it a little bit wrong. The spirits can be forgiving. Uh, but, I mean, not all spirits are so forgiving. So try to get it right the first time. I will say that. So... So far, we have a sacred space of some kind, a way to direct your essence and intention in the ritual of some kind. Um, whether you have um, a drop cloth circle or you drew a circle in chalk, whether you have 
your mind as your tool of focus alone and you're working on the astral plane or you're using a magic wand to direct that intention in your ritual um, and the sigil of that spirit or symbol. And I say, if you have the option to have um, something that's more statuesque, if you have like spirits are associated with, sorry, the spirit, the demon you're trying to summon is associated with coins, for example, and you have a coin that's a good idea. I mean, sigil, symbol of some kind. You want to be calling to the right person. It's incredible if you can have the sigil and a symbol. So if you have um, a flower associated with that spirit and also their sigil, that's a great idea to have. Um, next, let's talk about incense. So incense is something that has been used for a very long time in human ritual practices. Um, so long, for such a long time, incense has been such a big part of spiritual practice in our species for so long that it's incredible. And maybe this is just a personal thing, but one thing I like about magic even though I do it in a way that's very different from how people in the olden days used to do it. And that may also be the case for you as well, if you already have some kind of practice. I kind of find it very romantic that we are still connected through time and space and circumstance to people from long, long ago in that we still find incense very preferable in our rituals. I mean, unless you have like a nose and smell sensitivities, um, in which case people use other things like maybe scented candles or um, sprays. That's also a thing people use. Um, but incense is very special to ritual practice in that there's something about the smoke and the embers and the scent all together that add so much to a ritual that you don't get from a spray that's just a nice smell and you know some wetness um or a candle candles scented candles for ritual purposes very nice the flame and the scent and you know the candle holder they all add something but they just don't add what incense adds so you know sucks to suck like if you can't use incense um they're, like I mentioned, you can use sprays and candles, but in, there's something about incense in particular. So if you can use that, it's, I mean, always preferable. Um, so like I said, there's something about the incense and the embers and the smell that can just change where your mind is so quickly. It changes your frame of mind a lot of times um, and can open you up more to receiving messages from a given demon if that's what your goal is on um, such an occasion where you have a lot of incense going. I don't know what your plans are. Um, maybe you plan on doing nothing with the information I'm sharing with you. Who knows? So back to incense. So it can change your state of mind and you can also get spirits manifesting, um, or demons in particular. We're speaking about demons specifically this evening. So you can get demons manifesting in your incense smoke sometimes. Um, 
So keep that in mind. It it is important to change your headspace with scents and smells and sights that are available to you. Um, and incense not only does that very well, um, but also um, is a alternate space, not just in the context of your sacred space, but it is sort of, it is a little bit of ambiguity where it is easier to sense and interact with demons and ghosts and spirits, etc. Um, we need to be specifically outside of mundane and consensus reality and bring ourselves closer and closer to things that are ambiguous or unknown to us. Um, And that's where spirits and experiences that we could have never imagined can exist um, and can follow us into our lives and into our real worlds. So keep do keep that in mind. Um, I kind of started touching on this, but in terms of demons manifesting in your the smoke of your incense, um, it is also a good idea to have some kind of focal point for the demon to manifest to. So that can be your incense smoke. Um, that can be a scrying mirror, a dark mirror of some kind that can be a crystal. There are plenty of rituals out there about evoking spirits into crystals, crystal balls, um, glass mirrors, black mirrors, so many different ways. Um, It's a good idea to have a focal point for a demon to manifest, especially if you want to see that demon um, and it makes it can make the experience of evoking a demon uh, very visceral um, and also kind of easier for you to do. I mean, just for me personally, I get really in my head about seeing demons, uh, even though I can feel them very strongly and they're very effective. I'm, I think, affective with the A. They're very affective. You know, they just bring up so much in you. I've talked about this before and in myself. Um, And so when you've summoned a demon, I don't think it's that hard to know if you have or not. But you can also feel really nervous or in your head about things and feel like, you know, for me, at least this is the case. You know, I feel like I did summon something. I feel it. Um... As in, I can sense it all around me, but, you know, interacting further from here, I'm going to have so much, or I might have so much doubt about the situation. Listen, what can I say? I'm, I try not to let doubt stop me, of course, Um, and I haven't let it stop me for a number of years at this point, but I try to sort of satisfy my doubt or, you know, take care of it in a way that doesn't further interfere with anything because it is not fun to do stuff like this and just have it constantly plague you like was this but was it real though that's just so unhelpful and can be very unhealthy sometimes 
Like if, if that's just consuming you, you need to find a way to deal with that. Or maybe magic is not for you. I've found a way to deal with it. So for me, I like to have a focal point to, um, for me to interact with the demon. It's not that the demon needs that for them. It's, I find at least it's that people need that for them to be able to interact with the demon better. That's just my thoughts on the matter. Because of course you could evoke a demon without that. That's sort of the whole point of the way I'm talking about this is that there are different ways to do things like this. And I'm sort of from the many, many things I've heard people say and that I've read in books sort of trying to distill what I've learned to be some of the most important things. Um, so you could summon a demon and not have a scrying mirror um, or any reflective surface or a crystal or incense um, and summon that demon into your sacred space and have an amazing experience better than anything that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, and if that's happened to you, please tell me about it. I would love to know. But my point is just, I feel like in general, people do better with their evocations if they have, they have um, a stronger point of focus. So... What a, where what a, what's next? I'm kind of working with like a loose framework. Like I keep saying we're talking about this in a specific way. We are, but it's kind of loose and fast. You know, we're still having fun here. Um, okay, I think next I'm going to say that in my opinion, a great thing to have with you if you're planning on summoning a few demons this October 31st, it is a great idea to have some tool of divination. Um, if you have a bone throwing set, if you have a pendulum, if you have tarot or oracle cards, if you have regular playing cards, if you have dice, it, whatever you have for divination, it is a good idea to have a form of divination on hand with you if you're planning on summoning some demons. Um, just because even though there are many, many ways that demons communicate with us, um, and you can hear things and you can see things and you can smell things in response to questions or requests that you have and so many different things or so many different ways that demons communicate with us. But if you have a sort of, um, a very specific vocabulary. That's what divination can be. You know, it's a very specific way of answering questions and concerns that you have, especially if it's a form of divination that you are incredibly familiar and comfortable with, right? It can help you to further um, receive um, clarification from the demon if you are having this conversation with them and you're getting these answers and responses and such. Um, and then you may want clarification. Hey, what is what exactly do you mean by this? Are you sure you meant this? Or is there any way I can do this? Or you can do this for me? Divination comes in handy. Whip out a pendulum, be like yes or no to this. Bada bing, bada boom. Whip out your tarot, you say, oh, great 
demon name here. <laughs> I'm not going to call anyone's name right now because that's not the plan for this episode, okay? So, a tool of divination, great thing to have on hand. Personally, what I mainly use my tarot cards for in terms of my go-to divination tool is if I am trying to figure out what a demon would like me to do in return for their aid and support in my life, um, or just what what they want, what are their interests, what are their intentions, um, I often will pull a tarot card for that reason. Um, I will sometimes pull a tarot card, um, like, not like randomly, like divination truly, but in terms of like, um, guiding my intentions for a ritual, I will sometimes intentionally go through every card and pick cards that correspond very strongly to my intentions, um, to sort of help, um, guide the intention of the space, right? And the ritual. So there's that to take into consideration, but also a go-to form of divination for me is a lot of times automatic writing. A lot of times what information demons give to me is like coming at, it feels like it's coming at me so quick and I feel like I'm going to forget everything like in the blink of an eye. So I just start writing so fast that it's kind of like the demon might as well be guiding every word that I write down, you know? Uh, sometimes because of the way I do that, I write poetry. Um, you know, it depends what I'm doing. I don't always summon demons because I want something in particular. Um, spirit work, I mean, we're kind of not talking about spirit work generally. Um, we're talking about how to summon some demons, okay? So a tool of divination, keep that in mind because although there are many ways that demons can communicate with us. It can help us feel more comfortable if we have a very um, specific, um, structured way of communicating either yes or no answers or particular desires. Um, I mean, it can be less nuanced than like the sort of visceral way that demons can tell us things, but it's still good to have on hand either way. <sighs> so... I think I'm going to touch on the next thing that I think you might be wondering why I haven't really touched on this, but words of power, the words of the spell, the magic words. So in terms of magic words, I love magic words. I love words of power. I like to incorporate many different words of power, whether it's uh, like Shakespearean poetry, whether it's my own really bad poetry whether it is, you know, quotes from books I've read, you know, whether it is the types of evocations and conjurations that you read in a book like the Ars Goetia. Um, I have summoned demons in that way. And also, like, I have developed my own specific way of calling to demons with my own personal words of power. And I would say in terms of, you know, what are the words that you say? I think, you know, it's just as okay to do your evocation off the cuff if that works for you. I love speaking. If you didn't know this, <laughs> I love to talk. I actually really, really like to talk. In fact, I like to talk so much that 
I would never write my speeches in school. I always write like a couple of, you know, key points to hit on. And I just, I just go, you just turn me on and I go, I love to talk. So when I am doing an invocation, when I am conjuring up some demons, I feel comfortable doing that. I just, I'm speaking from my soul to these ancient gods, basically a lot of demons we know are some syncretized forms of gods and goddesses from other ancient cultures. So I feel comfortable doing that. For me, I feel like that works just as good as the specific written evocations that I have. I have written them. I have used classic evocation like words like I've done a little bit of everything and for me it works either way for me but that's because I have a very specific relationship with speaking so if for you that would make you feel really nervous and just throw off the whole ritual for you to just not have any notes prepared and just go then it is a good idea for you to write down what you would like to say you know good to call hey specific demon's name i'm calling to you on this evening for this purpose um meditation incorporate meditation into that um focusing your intent on their sigil you know this is we're getting to the point of a conversation where i'm talking about putting all of these elements together but that's sort of what words of power are it's sort of part of that process of putting things together if you're going to reference certain aspects of your ritual if you're going to say here come into this sacred circle but you're not standing in a circle you're standing in a square come on dude think about things like that um for me i construct my sacred space using a sort of uh psychic pyramid that's a practice i started doing like a number of years ago now and so, like, when I write my words of power, I don't talk about a sacred circle or come into the circle or here is the sacred circle because I'm not standing in a circle and I don't use circles any longer. So if it would make you too nervous to sort of speak from your soul to these spirits for this purpose of contra demons, which I can understand why you might be nervous about something like that. Um, especially if it's not something you're really familiar with and have your own like real pattern to it. So write something down. If you'd feel more comfortable with that, look at, you know, older conjurations you can read in books like the Grimoire Verum and the Greater and Lesser Key, even though the Greater Key is not about demonic invocation. When you read enough evocations, even if they're not Solomonic, they kind of are all kind of the same. If you're reading those types of books, like they call upon the spirit by name. They call upon a greater uniting force between you and the demon. Um, so I call to you demon of this name. Um, look at the nature. Look at the world around us. Look at this great force of power that unites us. Um, so please come to me and answer my questions and, you know, hear my concerns and speak with me truthfully, you know, those sorts of things. So get into it, read a bunch of stuff, listen to other people's um, 
evocations. I have my own and I don't feel comfortable sharing it at this time. So I'm not going to specifically read my own, even though that would be so fun. So there are also something called demonic ends, which are um, a couple of words of power in this demonic language that are associated with a given demon. I don't know how many there are. And I also do not know if like what all kinds of demons there are demonic ends for. I know that there are ones for like the most popular demons, you know, um, the Satans, the Asmodeuses, the Beelzebubs, and also all the Goetic demons, I'm pretty sure. Um, all the ones that I've looked up that I care to know about have a demonic end associated with them. If there isn't one, then you can always make up a specific phrase to correspond with that spirit that you can say. Um, the, the demonic ends are definitely like, they're like all purpose phrases. Like you don't have to use them in a context of summoning demons. You can use them in many different ways associated with, you know, the demon they're associated with. I like to incorporate them in summoning demons, like with a bunch of other stuff. Usually I have like a bunch of different things I'm going to read. Like I said, personally, I speak off the cuff. I read poetry. Um, I read more formal structured, um, evocations, Keep all of that in mind when you're constructing your own ritual, when you're trying to summon some demons on your own. Okay, great. <laughs> so I think lastly, I'm going to say accoutrement. You know, if you have, if you already have a permanent altar and you just haven't yet used it for the purpose of summoning demons, just incorporate what you have. Like if you are already a practicing pagan of some kind and you have a votive candle or two. You have a nice candle holder or two. You have um, beautiful herbs and stuff like that. You know, if you have something and it would be fitting to your intention, to the desires and offices of that demon, um, keep that in mind and incorporate it. You know, I personally love candles. I love candles, but I don't always have black candles on hand because it's such a hassle to go to the occult store in my town, for me at least. So I use the candles that I have. And if I don't have any, then, you know, whatever you have on hand works well, right? I just personally like to be in a space where there's low lighting. So like, I usually have a bunch of candles, obviously. I've got like, you know, you go to the dollar store and you get those hundred packs of tea lights. Those last like such a long time. They're great. Um, I had a pack last me like one and a half years. <laughs> yeah, so, and you pay like five bucks for those less probably. So use what you have. Use something that's cheap if that's preferable to something expensive. Um, like I said, I have a cheap little stupid pocket, broken pocket knife that I do sometimes use for demonic evocation. Um, partly because it has a little bit of sentimental value. <laughs> Um, but don't tell anyone that. No one knows I'm sentimental. Um, and I also have a much nicer ritual knife that I got. It's nicer, but I also got it for 20 bucks off of Amazon. So keep that in mind. You know, I'm pretty sure you could summon a demon with a plastic McDonald's knife if you wanted to. Um, not that I'm interested in challenging myself to summon a demon with the worst and or cheapest materials that 
are available because, you know, like I said, if you have something nice already that you haven't thought to use for this purpose, why not incorporate it? Just try it out. Um, if you don't have the fancy stuff right now, use what you have, you know? I think sometimes demon evocation can seem much harder and much more complicated than it needs to be. Like I said, I started reading the Ars Goetia, like, when I knew I was interested in this, right? And it is, like, not, like, reading a modern occult book whatsoever. <laughs> like, those books are written very much in a way that's, like, point A, point sub point, A point one, you know? They're written, like, they're much more clear and concise um, in some ways. I mean, like I said, there's benefits and disadvantages to, to both types to everything, really. But specifically old grimoires, it's like they're not written in a way that is easily, easily understood whatsoever. And I sometimes read them and think, did like, you know, for example, Renaissance magicians and scholars, did it make sense to them on the first try? And this is just some lost knowledge that I can't access as like a lay person who's just interested in magic. Um, not for scholarly purposes, but for like spiritual religious purposes. Like, what is it that like they had then that we don't have now that made them write things like this? <laughs> because if I went to the store now and picked up, um, what's a witchcraft book? I even have a witchcraft book that a lot of the workings in it and the words of power in it are actually based in a little bit of Solomonic Grimoire stuff. Um, and I read some of those and I was, and that was kind of what gave me the push to write some of my own stuff. And I went back to the source text and I was like, what? I thought this was way something else. And it's so complicated and convoluted. And it's like, why aren't things organized in an order that is like concise? But I mean, I guess maybe that's my, you know, 2000s Y2K mind thinking I should just get everything instantaneously to me. If there's information, it deserves to be in my brain right this second, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh, this was, I feel like, a really great episode about demonic evocation. Now, there are still, I feel like I didn't even cover like 5-1% of what I wanted to talk about in terms of like a practical discussion about demonic evocation. I'm just talking about what you need, giving you a few ideas about incorporating things together. Um, sort of talking about some base things, I hope. <laughs> and I hope it's going to be helpful to you on this All Hallows Eve or any other Eve, to be frank. There's never a bad time for summoning some demons into your life in case you had questions about that, you know, just so you know, in case you're confused. <laughs> this was a fun episode. We have now reached the end of this episode of the show. If you can, please support the show by either donating a few dollars a month to the podcast Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Babylon Rising, or instead leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both types of support keep Babylon Rising on the net. 
If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can find me on Instagram at venus.libitna. That and all my other socials are always linked in the show notes. Until next time, Ave Babylon. Babylon.